Welcome to the Monday Morning Pastor Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Christianity Today and Kairos Partnerships. Hello, everyone. Thank you again for joining us this week. Uh, we hope that the interview that is about to come is a deep encouragement to you all. Um, this week, JR and I have a chance to sit down with an old professor friend of JR's, uh, who also JR had a chance to work with on a, a new project called the Abide Bible and the Abide Bible Studies. And if you haven't had a chance to check it out, please do so. It, it's phenomenal. Um, the way that it's helping churches and people engage in scripture is, is uh, it's the best that I've seen in a really, really long time. And so I'm really grateful uh, for the conversation and even just for the work that him and JR both um, put into this beautiful project along with many, many others. Um, but anyways, we are super excited for the conversation and JR is going to queue up um, the bio and you'll have a chance to listen and hopefully take some notes and be encouraged and get hungry to jump into scripture and know God more. Dr. Phil Collins is professor of Christian ministries at Taylor University in Upland, Indiana, where he has taught since 1999. He also holds an MA in Christian education from Trinity Evangelical Divinity School and a PhD in educational psychology from Purdue University. He served in youth ministry for a decade before entering into the classroom. In addition to his work in the classroom at Taylor, he's also the co-executive director of the Taylor University Center for Scripture Engagement. The center helps to train people both on campus and around the world in the practices of how to engage scripture for spiritual formation. He is the senior editor of the Abide Bible and co-creator of the Abide Bible small group video course, which releases this spring. Phil is married to Terry, and together they have two adult children, Luke and Caitlin. And one of the things I love about Phil is he's also a former professor of mine. Enjoy this conversation with Phil Collins. Well, Phil, it's good to see you. So glad you could join us here on the Monday Morning Pastor Podcast. It's so good to be with you both. You know, it's interesting, Phil, you came in as my professor and I'm so grateful over the last 20 years to also call you a friend and then had, an, had some opportunities to do some projects together here recently, which we'll get into. But you've been a professor of, of Christian education and Christian ministries at Taylor for over 20 years. I'm curious, I know you had youth ministry in your background. How did you get into teaching? Yeah, well, in some ways, I kind of feel like it's it's uh, the family business. Uh, I've got a lot of teachers and ministry people uh, in my uh, background. Uh, I spent 16 years in ministry before coming to here uh, to Taylor to teach. Uh, and then just like so many other people, uh, teachers have had such a deep impact in my life that I've always aspired to be uh, a professor uh, teaching specifically here at Taylor. This is where I went to school. And I just think it's part of my gifting. Uh, I naturally think a lot about teaching. I watch other teachers. I study teaching. I, I, I value teaching. So I think that full circle brought me back here to Taylor. And it's just been very meaningful and a joy to be here. Well, and I think your, is it true your, your PhD was in educational psychology as well? Yes, that's that's correct. So that's the learning how to teach piece of yeah. everything. Yeah. 
Yeah, great. Well, and I've told many people this, um, you know, so much of my love of the scriptures and how to teach it came from the classes I took from you over 20 years ago. And so uh, I'm kind. so grateful that you're still doing that. And so you teach in the Christian Ministries Department at Taylor, but um, over the last handful of years, you've shifted your time and energy to the Center for Scripture Engagement, which is housed there at Taylor. So I'm I'm curious, I'm certainly familiar with it, but what is the Center for Scripture Engagement? And I know it's important, but why is it so important, and why are you so personally passionate about this? Yeah, well, the, the center got started about oh, 12 years or so. Our past president, Gene Habecker, uh, it's his brainchild, and uh, he came from the American Bible Society to Taylor and decided to uh, start the center. And really, it's designed to do three things. Uh, training, so that's the teacher part of me. We train ministry leaders and parishioners, uh, students here at Taylor, on how to do scripture engagement. We do research. That's uh, done by Dr. Steve Bird, my colleague here at Taylor. Uh, and then we also uh, try to connect people to resources on scripture engagement. And then recently, really, we've started to produce our own resources. Uh, so that's really what the center is all about, is to promote this idea of scripture engagement and, and uh, help people to engage with scripture at a deeper level, a transformative level. Personally, why I'm passionate about it is uh, really two reasons. One positive, uh, that, that is that uh, I've been a Bible reader all of my life, and it's by far been the most important thing for my own spiritual formation. Uh, it's it's where I meet Christ. It's where I grow. It, it changes me. It uh, is alive to me. Uh, when I think about all the things, and I've had excellent things poured into my life, it's the consistent reading of Scripture that's, that's uh, changed me the most. Uh, and that's the positive side. The negative side is, I, I'm not quite sure how long ago, uh, but I was asked or I read the question, how do you help somebody read the Bible so that they're transformed spiritually? Hmm. And I just was floored when I realized I didn't have a good way of explaining how to help somebody else read the Bible. When I grew up, I grew up in a good church, good family. My grandfather was a pastor, and I was told, pray and read your Bible. And what I did when I was in ministry and when I was a professor here at Taylor for the first 10 years or so, I'd tell them, pray and read your Bible. But what I wouldn't do is help them to know how to do that. And as soon as I heard that question, I knew that's grabbed me. I've got to figure that out. I've been done a disservice by people just telling me, pray and read your Bible without helping me. Uh, and I've done a very deep disservice to others. You know, I'm a professional. I, I should know. And, uh, and I didn't. Uh, not a clear reason why and how uh, to engage Scripture. And so uh, it's been deeply important to me, but I haven't done a good job of helping others do that. And I've just kind of floundered around for years and years, and I don't want to do that anymore. So that, that's why the Center for Scripture Engagement, why I'm passionate about it and what we're doing. I love that there is this deep longing and passion to see people begin to read Scripture in formative ways in spiritual formation. Um, can you take us through a little bit of what that journey has been like for you and maybe some of the valleys or some of the peaks and some of the valleys or some of the aha moments that you've experienced along that, that path? Yeah, it, it started very early on where I really wanted to learn. I, I knew that uh, 
engaging scripture wasn't a new idea, and it's not a new idea. People have been doing this forever. There's nothing new about scripture engagement. But I, so I started on a journey. I had a sabbatical. I just started reading. Uh, I got connected with um, the person who was in charge of our uh, Taylor University Global Center, Fergus McDonald, who has had a long history in the United Bible Society movement and uh, was a friend of Gene Hobbecker's. And he mentored me and uh, started introducing me to people around the world, uh, taking me to conferences where he had organized them around scripture engagement. And then I just read everything that I could. Um, so my, uh, my beginning process was I just wanted to learn techniques, uh, you know, just show me, you know, how do you do this? How do you uh, figure things out? Uh, what are the techniques the methods of doing this? And I started reading books and they were more interested in techniques being like third or fourth down the list. Uh, and I was frustrated by that. Just teach me the techniques. But now that I'm I've read everything that I can, and I'm still reading uh, and looking. Uh, I'm realizing it's got a lot more to do with my heart. It's a lot more to do with what I'm trying to do with when I come to Scripture and laying those foundational uh, processes uh, and the techniques. We'll figure those out. Uh, people people tend to figure those out, but it's really got more to do with my heart. What am I looking for? Preparing my heart, opening up myself to Scripture. What do I hope happens? Uh, when I come to scripture. So, yeah, it's a definite ups and downs. That's a really interesting question, Doug. Yeah. So, so Phil, I think for our listeners, many of them being pastors, when they hear this idea of scripture engagement, they might say, oh, it's just like Bible reading, right? But, right. you know, one of the things of working with you, I know there is a difference in how you define and how we teach and even the posture by which we engage with scripture that's different than pure Bible reading. So, just on a surface level, how would you differentiate between scripture engagement versus Bible reading? Right. Um, Bible reading is kind of what we naturally do uh, when we're just told, go read a book. We pick it up and read it like any other book, because how else do you do that? Uh, so, and, and really, Bible reading, the research says if you just read the Bible, it, it doesn't necessarily really have that much of an impact in our lives. Just reading the Bible saying, oh, I read it, so I must have done the right thing. It's not magic, uh, reading the Bible. Uh, scripture engagement, um, I, one of the things I did early on was try to find out what the Bible has to say about how we're supposed to read it. And, and the Bible has quite a few things to say about how we're actually to approach it. And it uses words like abiding and meditating and pondering, reflecting, all these key biblical words that when you're just kind of reading for information uh, or just reading to say, I did it, it is different. Uh, the way I kind of lump all those biblical words of abiding, meditating, you know, reflecting, uh, I think of it as a, a relational reading where the goal is to meet God, uh, to meet Christ in his word, and then let him transform us uh, at our cores. It's not just about, you know, I kind of, I skimmed through and I, you know, did my time in the Bible, or I studied, I got a bunch of information about it, I know the words and how it all fits together. But uh, it's much more of a, I want to meet God. Uh, this is the way 
the, the foundational primary way uh, that I meet God is in his word. And then it becomes a, I get to meet God, right? I'm, I'm old enough. You can't guilt me into reading the Bible anymore. Uh, you know, maybe when I was younger, I felt like I should not to read the Bible. Uh, and now I'm old enough. It's hard to guilt me into much of anything. So my Bible reading is I get to read the Bible because I meet Jesus there. And there's nothing better than that. It's kind of a mysterious, miraculous process process to meet Jesus in his word. And it's not a should and ought. It's a, it's an, I get to kind of thing. Mm -hmm. In many ways, it sounds like, I mean, there's, there are posture, there are techniques, but that there's a posture, there's an expectation of partnering with the Holy Spirit as we're engaging and entering in to be changed by it. And Phil, I think I've, I may mention this two years ago, but when our youngest son, I think he was three or four years old, uh, it was in the fall, and our neighbors across the street have a beautiful tree that every fall, it just it just looks electric when the leaves are just in full bloom. And I remember I put my finger on the window, and I pointed out, I said, isn't that beautiful, buddy? And he said, what? And I said, look, look, it's beautiful, isn't it? And he said, I don't know what you mean, Dad. And I said, look, the tree. And he looked at me, he said, what tree? Because my finger was against the glass, he was only seeing like a speck of dirt that was on the glass. He wasn't seeing that I was looking through the glass to the tree. And I, to me, I've always felt like that's a difference between Bible reading versus scripture engagement in some ways, that it's not necessarily to read the words on the page. We've got right. to do that. Yes. But it's to look through it to see the beauty of what's behind it and out into the world that captures our attention and takes our breath away and says, wow, isn't God amazing? And that story has always stuck with me. Because so many times growing up, I feel like I, I just was looking at the speck on the window instead of seeing the window into the world of beauty that God had made. And um, anyway, I don't know if that's of yeah, any help for our listeners. But yeah, I love that. That's, yeah. uh, that's perfect. Very so, good. So I know that, um, you know, you talked about the American Bible Society, and uh, I know there have been things with the Center for Scripture Engagement and some opportunities with the American Bible Society and its former director, uh, Gene Habecker. Um, you know, I know every year, and I'm, I'm always eager when it comes out every year to read the state of the Bible, uh, the results that they do with George Barna or the Barna Group. Um, and just recently coming at, you know, out of this pandemic, hopefully coming out of it, they just did the, the most recent state of the Bible uh, results that were released. And one of the things that surprised me, and I think surprised the, the uh, curators of this research was they thought they had done the research wrong because they said it's just dramatically different than what they thought. They found that reading was down. They found that reading was down dramatically uh, than in even years past. Does any of that surprise you? I'm curious your reaction and even more so why scripture is uh, engagement is so important in this season, in this moment in North America. Yeah, I, I was just at the American Bible Society uh, there in Philadelphia, where you are, uh, last week, actually, and heard uh, a presentation on the data. And uh, I, it, it is discouraging. Uh, it is uh, a little surprising at uh, how significant of a drop-off it has been this last year. I, I do wonder if it will continue that way, you know, research kind of want to see a few years to see what that trend is, if it pops back up or what's going on. I don't doubt the research. Uh, don't Please don't hear me saying that. Uh, they do an excellent job with their, their research. Uh, but I guess there's always been 
a sense of urgency for me uh, that we all need to be engaging scripture. We all need to be pushing hard on this. Uh, I guess it does encourage me to push harder, uh, but I've kind of always had a sense of urgency for my own students and for uh, the people that I talk to around the world. Nobody thinks, oh, you know, this particular place on the planet is doing really well with engaging scripture. Everybody uh, wants to help us to do better. Uh, and, and I hurt for people who are missing out. Not, not only do they need to be reading scripture, uh, because it's important to our spiritual lives, but it, there's just a delight in meeting Christ and, and growing. Uh, we've got a saying at our center here at Taylor University, uh, engage scripture, engage God. Hmm. And uh, so I guess my sense of urgency is more, I, I want people to meet God and to know him. Scripture is the means to do that. Uh, the research is informing of that, but I've kind of had that sense of urgency for a while now. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of my personal reaction to it. It, it was surprising, though, uh, for sure. I think it's it's really fascinating, too, to think about how accessible Scripture is for our culture, right? Like, I mean, love the work that the Bible Project has done. Um, you think about stuff like Bible Gateway or the Bible app. There's just some and new translations that have come out over the last you know, 10, 15 years. And it just seems like even from that perspective, there's such, there's all this, there, there's almost more accessibility than we've ever had before. Um, but it's interesting because the way that you talk about scripture engagement feels like it, it really has to become this grassroots in the local church effort of, hey, we really want to engage the Bible as community, right? And reading by yourself is important, but reading in community has really amazing benefits and opportunities to be formed in, in very specific ways. Um, why do you think, and, and maybe even a, a bigger question is, like, how can pastors begin to cultivate that longing for scripture engagement or even modeling that scripture engagement from the pulpit or from Bible studies or, or wherever? So what are some real practical ways that you could see scripture engagement almost, um, almost infecting a church in a really powerful way? And I do uh, absolutely think that is the place to go. It's with uh, the shepherds, with pastors. It's uh, That's the beginning point. Uh, really, everything that we're doing with the center is really uh, specifically geared uh, to ministry leaders, to pastors. Uh, we believe that uh, the pastors are truly uh, the foundation of the kingdom of God, uh, that they are the hope of the world as we work in churches. Uh, so very, very important. And, and really, I've never met a pastor, pastor who didn't want their congregation to be more involved in God's word. Uh, it's, it's what they care about. Uh, sometimes I get into a random conversation somewhere with a pastor and, uh, you know, it kind of comes out what I'm doing and and all of a sudden, I've got their full attention, uh, and they're leaning in, and they're saying, yes, how do I do that? What, what have you learned? How does this work? Um, so I do think, uh, and the research bears this out, it's the people that are, what, what you said, Doug, doing this in community, that happens in the local church, small groups, uh, Sunday school classes, whatever, that 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 group aspect. I used to think it's me, Jesus, and the Bible, and we don't need anybody else. And as an introvert, I'm really tempted by that. Uh, you know, most professors are. Uh, but that's not biblical, and it's not what the research says. It's the people that are engaging in groups, um, uh, 
you know, functioning together, talking about uh, scripture with their families, talking about scripture with other believers, uh, you know, that, that's really where it happens. So as a pastor, I, I hope to, to both encourage and to uh, remind us that uh, scripture uh, engaged in, in community is powerful. And I don't, I don't think most pastors think, you know, Sunday morning is enough. Uh, they, they want their parishioners to engage more and providing means to do that uh, is so important uh, for the spiritual life of churches. The, the research that's out there, the Barna Research, uh, State of the Bible, tell you that the more your parishioners are engaging scripture in groups and on their own, they become more loving, they're more generous givers, they're more... They have more vibrant prayer lives. They volunteer more often. Uh, they have a sense of divine calling for their work. They attend attend church more often. So you know who doesn't want all of those things? Uh, and uh, you know, Lifeway did some great research that uh, was about uh, young people, and they looked at forty different parenting practices that were predictive of spiritual health among young adults. So what do you do when they're young that will help them have a thriving uh, young adult spiritual life. And the, by far, they said that uh, it's those young adults who, when they were young as kids, were regularly reading the Bible. They're the ones that are thriving when they're they're older. Mm. Uh, and, there, and there's more research. We've done research on, uh, 40, on 43 different campuses here uh, through Taylor. And same thing, This it's key speaking about scripture, reflecting on scripture, um, having a sense that the Holy Spirit's with you as you're reading. Uh, those are the kind of things that, that make all the difference. Um, mm. You know, in our parishioners, this is, this is what we want. This is what we're trying to prepare our Taylor students who are going into ministry to focus in on as, as they graduate. talked about posture. We've talked about the expectancy and the role of the Holy Spirit in not just, you know, informing our heads, but our entire lives. But you did talk about technique. And yeah. this isn't necessarily, we're not necessarily teach all the techniques here, but what are some of those techniques? I mean, our listeners can't see this, but behind you is a painting. So why yeah, don't you yeah. talk a little bit about one of the techniques, uh, you know, that engage with, with painting and with art, but what are some of those techniques um, what are some of those practices or rhythms or engagements that you do teach people how to engage with scripture? Yeah, so let me set this up and I'll, I'll uh, talk about some of those practices. Uh, the setup basically is I personally don't believe there's just one way uh, and that we tend to have different ways that different personalities or temperaments or people with different backgrounds or education, they they are attracted to different ways of engaging scripture. Uh, the one size fits all doesn't work. If you're a journaler, 
that doesn't mean everybody in your congregation is going to be a journal person. Uh, and, and knowing that, then I want to know a variety of ways to engage, engage scripture, because I don't want anybody that I'm shepherding to miss out on this core spiritual transformative process. So uh, that's kind of the way I start not one size fits all. I really see this when I do workshops in different congregations or here on campus. I'll talk about a whole bunch of different ways of engaging scripture, giving people experiences, and some of them just don't resonate with certain people. And then I switch to something else, and all of a sudden they're popped up and they're all animated and they want to talk about it, and uh, they're they're really excited about it. So, yeah, there's a painting behind me. That's one of them. There are people that really. Uh, come alongside art and uh, connect with scripture, that an artist has come along and painted a uh, particular scene from a Bible passage, and that artist is trying to get us to feel uh, what's going on in the passage. And so often, uh, for somebody like me, I tend to think my way through a passage, and an artist will help me feel my way through a passage uh, to, to help me connect with the emotion emotions of a passage, which is very powerful. But journaling is another uh, way of engaging scripture. Uh, picture it or the Ignatian method where you put yourself in and imagine your way through a story. I think I did that a lot when I was uh, quite young and then I got away from that. Uh, but imagination is a very powerful process to help us engage with scripture. Praying scripture. I used to think I was supposed to pray and read, and there were two separate things. But now when I read scripture, I read, I study, and then I go back and I just pray it through line by line. Very powerful. Memorizing scripture is, a, is maybe the core uh, scripture engagement process where I memorize it and then take it with me all the way uh, mm. through my day. Singing scripture, we're to sing the Psalms and uh, and really any passage out of scripture. There's people all over the world singing scripture, hand copying. Uh, uh, look up uh, Deuteronomy, I think it's 17, 18, uh, talks about a king hand copying scripture. Storing scripture is a method used all over the world where people memorize scripture, tell the story, and then uh, talk about it. Public reading of scriptures talked about in, in the Bible quite a bit. I uh, just talked to a student who uh, is you know, I don't know much about music, but I, he's kind of a, a music savant. He, uh, and what he learned to do, he became a Christian in high school. And before that, he used to, um, he used to read things and then he would put them into like a music score, like a, a, a movie. Mm. And he didn't do very well at Bible reading until he put those two things together. And now whenever he reads, he sits in front of a keyboard and he tries to think what's going on here. What does that sound like? Well, that's a practice I will never do. And uh, <laughs> he's, he, he's about the only person I've ever seen do that. He did it in chapel once uh, here uh, this, this school year. And it was just fascinating to, to watch him uh, make up a score to a passage right away. Okay. So Though uh, we talk about a lot of different ways to engage scripture, I know there's more of them out there. So those are some of the practices. And I'd like to teach people a variety of them, give them experiences because they don't know what they're going to connect with. And oftentimes some of us are get stuck on one and we start to see another and then it, 
you know, it's, it's a fresh new way to, to hit scripture. Mm. I, you know, I, I think I, well, I don't think I really appreciate how you offer all these different on-ramps for people to begin to think of about how their wiring, their gifting, their personalities can approach, um, yeah, the sacred text. And, and it almost makes it so much more accessible and, and interesting. And in I mean, I would love to sit at a chapel service and listen to someone. What, what are they hearing? I remember um, I had a class with Len Sweet years ago, and he he had the greatest question. He said, what do you smell when you come into this text? And I'm like, that is the weirdest question. But then when you start to think about how all these senses are engaged, it was just so, yeah, just so empowerful, so empowering to to, to a reader. And um, yeah, so I, I've got kind of a little bit of a weird question, um, and this is not a curveball, but this is more for you, Jr. You know, you were a student of 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 Phil's. How has his teaching of scripture encouraged and empowered and created the hunger that you have for scripture? Yeah, yeah, it's a great question. As far as I mean, there's many things I could say. As far as scripture engagement goes, that came after my time at Taylor. It did. Uh, yeah. So I, I'm a I'm a 01 grad, so more than 20 years ago. But I think Phil, you said the Center for Scripture Engagement was 12 years old. Yeah. And one of the things, though, Doug, to answer your question is engaging with Phil as a friend and as a colleague in scripture engagement, not necessarily mm -hmm. as my professor. And, and I think this segues well, because Phil, you know, you've had an amazing opportunity with the Abide Bible, and I love that it's called the Abide Bible. And uh, talk about your role as senior editor, as general editor of the Abide Bible, and what that is, because that's one of many resources. When you explained it to me, I remember being in your office uh, on a Taylor visit, and I said, what are you up to these days? And and you talked about the Center for Scripture Engagement, and you began to talk about it. I'm a journaler, and for the first time, I thought, well, how simple is that? Why have I never thought about this, of journaling and then even hand-copying Scripture? And I'm thinking, of course, I love to do that already. I love the Scriptures. Let's combine them together. And you began to tell stories, Phil, of even people that were doing this in other countries and how they were coming to faith uh, in, in Muslim countries or other even places hostile to the gospel, but of using some of these scripture engagement forms of evangelism. And I just remember sitting in your office being so, uh, something just was lit inside of me of going, this is really, really cool. So I would say it's, it's in the latter stages of, of Phil and I and our relationship where this came about as he began to get more and more involved with scripture engagement. But I do remember a time, and, and Phil can talk about the resource more of the Abide Bible, where Phil, you had asked me to participate in that uh, and, and to, to be a contributor to the project. And uh, it was over a summer. I remember being in my upstairs office and my wife, Megan, came upstairs and she just stopped and looked at me and she said, I'm curious, what are you working on right now? And I said, well, I'm working on the Abide Bible, you know, the contributing part and studying and researching and writing that. And she said, you just feel like someone plugged you in the electrical socket. <laughs> She's like, you're just radiating right now. And I said, this is the most fun and most significant and joyful writing project of the many projects I've worked on that I've ever participated in. And so Phil has really indirectly impacted me through his teaching of this less in the classroom and more through these resources mm. through the center. So it has had an immense impact on me in the classroom, but in a very different way. Uh, post Taylor uh, to Taylor years, so um, yeah. As with that, let's segue into that, Phil. In terms of some of the resources, talk about the Abide Bible 
and then even the resource that just came out most recently. Yeah, it actually all got started uh, on Bible Gateway. Uh, right? Bible Gateway is this monster Christian website, biggest web Christian website in the world as far as numbers of visitors to it. And uh, a really a miraculous conversation I had with the uh, general manager of Bible Gateway on a train uh, at a conference in New York City. Uh, I told her what I was doing with workshops and doing a little bit of writing about scripture engagement. And she said, well, why don't you put that on Bible Gateway? And I just laughed, you know, because it's just such a big deal. But now we've got 50 articles and videos on Bible Gateway, which led to doing the Abide Bible. Uh, the Abide Bible was a brainstorm of uh, Thomas Nelson Bibles, where they said, let's take uh, scripture engagement practices instead of writing notes that are informative study Bibles, which I love a good study Bible. So important. Nothing that we're talking about scripture engagement should ever downplay the critical importance of studying to know what a passage means. But once you study to know what a passage means, you need to reflect on it to meditate on that in your life. And so uh, they wanted to do a Bible that helped people to reflect on the passages. So we started talking about how to do this and which practices to use would work well for a print Bible and came up with five practices. Uh, and then we just started experimenting and I got a bunch of people that I knew who have an understanding of scripture engagement at some level and we negotiated and tried to think it through and uh, developed this Abide Bible, which has just been joyful to write and to see how it's being used. And then that led into uh, HarperCollins, the parent organization of Thomas Nelson Bibles, to develop the Abide uh, Bible course or Bible curriculum, a small group video, six session um, a study guide where uh, you know, we shot these short videos and, and it's a leader's guide to take people through these, uh, what is scripture engagement and then five of the practices. And then we got an extraordinary writer to write the curriculum for this whole project. Uh, I just had a brainstorm and they asked me who could write this and, and JR, I, I, I can't tell you all the conversations I've had where they say, man, JR is knocking the ball out of the park. We were going to do these other things, and and uh, but what's JR's writing is really, really good and just flows. I, I've read it through a few times now, and I just am so happy it's come out uh, the way we wanted it to. I just think it's a, a potentially a very good source of practical here. Here's how to take through a group of people in a in a way that they'll communicate with each other, learn some practices, practice them, practice the practices between sessions. Uh, and I, we're just hopeful that uh, it's helpful to the kingdom and, and within churches specifically that it'll be good for parishioners to use. Well, and, and it's such an incredible privilege to be asked that you recommended me to the publisher to write that. And so it's you and Randy Frazee together on these videos as you talk through them in each of these yes. six video series. And, uh, and that's, I mean, it's just beautiful. E even the idea, I mean, how, how long were you serving in the general editor role with the Abide Bible itself? It was a few years, right? Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. At least two and a half, I'd say. Uh, yeah. It just takes a while. You know, it was, there's 2,500 notes and 30 plus people involved. And 
you know, I learned a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Bless publishers. They are so uh, important and skilled and patient. Uh, So it's, it's a really important ministry. Yeah, and one of the things about the Abide Bible, people say, oh, it's just a different, another translation, right? And I say, no, 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 it's not a different translation. They say, oh, it's just a study Bible, right? I say, not in the traditional sense. Mm-hmm. It's it's an experiential participatory Bible, yes. and that's what I appreciate. It's almost like you have a tutor walking alongside of you that's using your different you know, learning styles uh, that you can engage in. Yeah, and there are beautiful paintings in there. And their journal sections and margin the margins where you can write things. And so I've had people say to me, look, I've got a thousand study Bibles. And I say, look, all of them are great, but this yes. one is a different category because it's teaching you to actually experience it, not simply study it with your head. And I think that's what got me so excited when you explained the project to me and some involvement with that. Um, and I just want to go back to the BibleGateway.com resource. Um, many of us listening to this are probably very familiar and have been on the site. Maybe we do our sermon prep on that or cut and paste verses to our slides in our sermons every Sunday, whatever it may be. But I mean, just encouraging people, we'll put this in the show notes as well. But if you go to BibleGateway.com, on the the left side, down the left side, the sort of burnt red ribbon on the side, under if you click study tools and then you click there, it says scripture engagement, it will go to the Abide Bible Initiative. That's all written by the Center for Scripture Engagement under Phil uh, and his leadership in this. And I'll tell you, what is scripture engagement? Here are some practices. Here's how you do it. You can do it yourself. So we'll put that in the show notes, but that's a fantastic uh, resource that's available free of charge to anybody and just to encourage people in uh, to further with BibleGateway.com resources. So and really, if you just Google scripture engagement, you'll get right there. It, you know, Bible Gateway is such a large uh, volume website that, you know, there, it just comes up right away. So mm, you can yeah. do all that stuff that you were doing there, JR, but uh, or you can just, uh, you know, Google, just scripture. Google scripture engagement. Sure. <laughs> no, that's great. That's great. So Phil, just as we're kind of rounding third and heading for home here, you know, there are a lot of pastors that might be listening to this saying, wow, I think I've just told my, my people to pray and read their Bible. And Me so too. this may be Me a too. shift. Yeah. yeah. This may be a huge shift in this conversation for pastors. What would you want to encourage them if they're just freshly realizing this paradigm shift right now, whether it's an action step or just an encouragement or affirmation or challenge, what would you want to say to them as they're thinking, whoa, scripture engagement is actually what I need to be doing, not just telling my people, read your Bible more. What would you want to say to them? I'd want to say do a little bit of reading so that you're convinced this isn't something crazy and uh, understand what what the basic processes are. And uh, I I would say that all it's going to do is help you articulate what you're already doing at some level. Uh, I don't think there's a person in ministry who hasn't had many engagement experiences, but it's a way to talk and teach and train other people to have those same experiences uh, themselves. So again, it's not new. It's, uh, it's pretty intuitively uh, easy to pick up on. Uh, it, it's not magic. It's uh, a focus and an emphasis that you'll be able to, uh, to understand. And, uh, and I deeply hope that 
becomes personal and vibrant and renewing in all of our own ministry lives first. And then we start to share out of the overflow of that uh, with our people. That's awesome. Well, we've been asking our our guests um, this season to leave us with the benediction. So, Phil, would you leave uh, the pastors and the listeners today with the benediction? Yeah, I'd love to do that. This is a benediction from uh, my senior pastor when I was a youth pastor for 10 years, uh, Don Geiger. And I wish I knew where he got it. I, I Maybe he wrote it, but I don't think so. Uh, and it's beautiful and it has a deep meaning to uh, to me personally, and uh, I want to pass this on to all ministry leaders, all people, but uh, take it in as a um, word to a ministry leader, a pastor uh, specifically. Go into the world in peace. Have courage. Hold on to what is good. Honor all men. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the suffering. And share the gospel. Love and serve the Lord in the power of the Holy Spirit. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. 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 Well, thanks for joining us for this episode of the Monday Morning Pastor Podcast today. Could you do us two favors? Number one, would you leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your pods? If you're enjoying this podcast, we'd appreciate if you could help us to spread the word. And number two, would you share this episode with two other pastors or leaders who you think would benefit from MMP? We would be deeply grateful if you could help us. Thanks in advance, and thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.